CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Well, whether you're out partying in the streets of Toronto, lining up to buy Cody Fajardo jerseys for your whole family, or helping put together the statue of Devontae Deadman outside TD Place Stadium in Ottawa, we thank you for taking the time to join us here on the podcast for the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, what a week in the CFL it was. How are you doing after the long weekend? I'm good. Uh, my long weekend just literally ended two hours ago. So, But I did manage to see uh, two full CFL games. And uh, one with the highlights and the Battle of Alberta. I just will decide as we go along what we do with that. It was a week in which the three teams we've been raking over the coals for a week, none of them lost the game this week. The BC Lions were on a bye, so they couldn't. And the Ottawa Red Blacks pulled off an overtime win over the Montreal Alouettes. And yes, the Toronto Argonauts won their first game of the season over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll be talking a lot about these different games here today. Uh, we will be joined uh, in a bit here on the podcast by Doug Ballinger from the Argos FanCast to talk about the big win for the Argos over the Bombers and everything going into their bye week. Uh, Mike, before we get into all of these different topics, and of course we'll have CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em Talk later on as well, Let's kick things off with the Michael Garrell Power Rankings through Week 8. Yeah, a bit of a shift in the Power Rankings, as you might expect, but not entirely anyone's fault about, you know, the switching of positions which happens over the course of a week. But nonetheless, I am going to put the Calgary Stampeders as number one, having won a couple of uh, games in a row and seem to more on defense rather than form an offense. So the offense is showing some, mm, shall we say, a little bit of leaky oil, something like that. But again, you know, with no starting quarterback, that's to be expected 5-2. and two. And uh, heading into a first place showdown with another team that's high on my list. Uh, number two, we will have the... Despite losing this week, I gave them a number two spot, not the Hamilton Tiger Jets. Uh, big victory over the Blue Bombers. As, you know, my merit report are those of victories that are of significance. Uh, the Tiger Jets minus Dane Evans. I'm uh, sorry, minus uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli had the keys over to Dane Evans. Doesn't change their finally oiled machine uh, defensively and... I think just we're a victim of the short week more than the young quarterback, and I expect Dane Evans to bounce back uh, in the next game, and that doesn't fluctuate with the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, too much uh, in their power rankings uh, aficionado. Um, the number three team, this might surprise some people, but not really. 
Ah, uh, this team has won three in a row. I'm going with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at number one, two, three. Three. Uh, they are four and three. Uh, headed into a big showdown with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, their quarterback, Cody Pajardo, in a moment of shining, puts the game winning drive and a bow on, uh, the football game. Anyway, going to number four. No reason to panic yet in Blue Bomber Nation over three, two losses in a row out, uh, east. Uh, one loss, a little more concerning than the other, but yet the Bomber somehow had a way to win both games. So until you save it, no games are unwinnable. I'm not panicking, uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers heading into a big showdown with the, uh, Calgary Stampeders. With the Calgary Stampeders this Thursday. Um, the next team on my list, number five, is the Montreal Alouettes, despite a heartbreaking loss to Ottawa, which was really the Devontae Deadman show. Um, take him out of the game, especially out of the first half. Montreal's in total control. Only concern is they appear to have lost both Vernon Adams and William Stambath. So we'll see what that does uh, to the Montreal Alouettes uh, going forward for the uh, team as they go into their game this week against the very top good team in Saskatchewan. Uh, number six for me will be the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, Edmonton 4-3, and three, they're hitting off. On a little bit of a lull, and I'm not too sure what to make of Edmonton. I mean, you look at their numbers. I mean, they didn't have Greg Ellington in the lineup this week, but, you know, Ricky Collins picked up a slot. Trevor Harris picked up a slot. And Calgary just made one more play in that football game, and Edmonton uh, rolled in deep into Calgary territory with uh, the final plays of the game and just couldn't get it in. So, <clears throat> a six-point game against the provincial rival. Yeah, let's not get too bent out of shape about that. Uh, however, their matchup this week is the Ottawa Red Blacks in Edmonton on Friday night. So, a good chance uh, to bounce back. Number seven on my list is the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> well... This was a team that was teetering on a cliff coming into this week, and uh, Devontae Deadman appeared to have given them some life, um, has taken them off the cliff at least for this week. Uh, it doesn't get any easier with the uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos in Edmonton this week. Uh, I don't know. There seems to be something about Dominic Davis and his moxie, uh, but they, they seem to really respond well to Davis over Jennings for whatever reason. And it's just a brand new team that seems to be energized uh, with their number one uh, quarterback. The number eight team on my CFL Power Rankings picked up their first win of the season in thrilling fashion over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, down by 20. And they win 28-27, something like that. Yeah, 28-27. And, uh, overcome the 20 to nothing deficit, making big plays when it mattered most, led by their quarterback, McLeod Bethel Thompson, who, you know, and we'll talk about this on the show, on the show, I'm sure, the acquisition of Zach Talaros, 
McLeod Bethel-Thompson had changed around his net as far as the starting job went. And YouTube feels that Caleros kind of start to pull them. And he responded uh, with a gutsy effort. It wasn't pretty. Uh, there were several instances where the Bombers could have put it away. I.e. didn't a couple first downs. But when you're starving for a win like Toronto is, any win counts. And especially their head coach, Corey Chamberlain, who etches himself away from unwanted territory with the longest coaches losing streak. Corey Chamberlain is on a win streak, folks. It's only one game, but the streak is over. And last place, last but not least, the BC Lions. I mean, I don't know where to start with this football team. Uh, $750,000 quarterback, not getting it done. Offensive line, not getting it done. Um, a coach that seems to be in over his head, mm, not getting it done either. But we'll see what kind of progress they make coming out of the bye. I am a little bit floored. But we haven't seen more personnel changes out of BC after this bye week. And at, and at least a position coach losing his job. But let's be clear. I think there's one contributing factor as to why there hasn't been a coaching change of some kind in BC. And that's the coach's tap. Yeah, and well, I, for sure. I looked at the Riders firing their D-line coach there last week. They're not going to replace them or didn't have other... Uh, coaches on the staff made those responsibilities, and that's largely in part because of the tap. And I think, well, it's now or never for BC this week uh, to make something happen. Agree or disagree with Mike's power rankings? Send us a tweet at CFC on Mike FM. We'll let us know what you think or how you would rank the nine teams in the CFL. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about the Argos uh, with uh, Doug Ballinger from the Argos Fancast in a little bit. But first, Mike, I just want to run through a bit more quickly through some of these other teams you already talked a bit about here, uh, and then we'll spend a while talking about the Argos. But uh, let's talk about Calgary first quickly. Uh, They play the Bombers this week. Calgary is now tied for first place in the West Division and in the CFL with Hamilton and Winnipeg at 5-2. and Um, quickly, this has gone from a team that in the first several weeks we kept saying that, oh, Calgary looks beatable this year, Calgary looks beatable. They have so many injuries at all positions on the football field, and they are back to getting it done. Is this back to the same old, same old for the Calgary Stampeders? Um, I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach. Um, to me, you know, Calgary gets a lot of credit for getting it done. Uh, without a quarterback, well, well, no disrespect in that arbuckle, but I mean, that Toronto team they had there a couple of weeks ago certainly wasn't their prettiest, but they were still able to come out, uh, with a win. And this week in Edmonton, they, uh, got some help from, uh, Terry Williams in a big, big kickoff return, uh, kind of sets the table. So we're seeing Calgary much like a couple other teams in the CFL, win in, in, in different ways. And I would start to throw Saskatchewan into that they can win in many different ways um, mentality. But I'm still not sold on Nick Arbuckle. And I think, to me, the jury remains out on Calgary at 
full strength, right? I mean, like, Calgary, it's a different style of what we're seeing from Calgary this year, you know. Calgary, oh, that high, potent offense that puts up, you know, 45 points. Now they're finding a way to win a lot of close games. This weekend at Edmonton, you know, they gutted one out against Toronto. Wins or wins or wins. Yeah, just looking at the point differential, I mean, the Bombers and the Ticats, the two teams they're tied with, uh, are at like plus 80 and plus 90 in point differential, and the Sam Peters are at plus 36. So that attributes to what you mentioned there. That, yeah, they're winning close football games and they're getting it done. And I wouldn't expect them to necessarily go out and blow out teams given all the, you know, starters that they do have out of the lineup and all the pieces they lost last offseason. So, you know, Calgary's gotten it done to their credit. They have not, in Bo Levi Mitchell's career until now, had to survive a season without, yeah. or a lengthy stretch of time without Bo Levi Mitchell. They've done that admirably, 5-2 and two start to the year. And now we get reports... That Bo is coming back soon. Like, he started practicing full practice yeah. this week. I personally don't think he's going to play against the Bombers this no, week. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't think he should play next week against Montreal. I would say after the bye week, get ready for that Labor Day matchup because that's a big game yep. is when I would play Bo, given that Arbuckle's handling things fine. But this is a good Calgary team that's about to get better. Well, uh, here's the thing, too. I mean, outside of a... 37-10 win over the Riders. Their wins have been by 4 points, 10 points, 1 point, and 6 points. So they, they're getting it done in, in different ways. Yet again, uh, their losses have come to Hamilton, who's the top team, and has also come at the hands of the Red Blasts, who are, like I said, teetering on the edge of basically losing their season up until... It was saved in my mind this week, um, as far as the East Division goes. So, bit of a bit of a mixed bag for Calgary, but the record is what it is. And let's bring on this showdown for first place, which the Bombers have unfortunately brought on themselves, which may not be all that bad. Now, we've had a couple big trades recently in the CFL, and we'll uh, talk about the Zach Caleros trade to Toronto a little more with Doug from the Argos FanCast in a bit. But another one that just came out in the last two days was a player-for-player swap between the Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, Wide receiver Kenny Stafford going to Saskatchewan with uh, kick returner Christian Jones coming back to Edmonton. Not too often we see starting roster players traded for one another in the CFL these days, mid-season, it seems. Um, do you like this deal for both sides? What, what, why does this deal happen in your mind? They have, there's a saying, Ryan, um, in hockey, uh, it's a hockey deal for both sides. Uh, this will be fitting into that category of a football deal. Uh, Edmonton needed some help iPod on uh, special teams. Uh, Marquise Johnson just hasn't been able to get it done. And if you if you look at um, Edmonton having some receivers that are coming back from injury, i.e. Dre Wenson, i.e. Uh, Javaris Daniels, who should be back in about a week. You know, this is a, both teams kind of going out and addressing the need. And benefiting one another. Because the writers, let's face it, Christian Jones, as good as a returner as he is, 
He's found himself out of favor with the coaching staff, uh, thanks to Lucius Purifoy. And you have Kyron Moore there too, right? So, uh, and Kyron Moore, both adequate returners. So, this this is just two football teams in my mind that are trading from a position of strength to help one another. And if I may add a team that, you know, benefits the most from this trade, if I have to pick one, it's the Riders, but then I think the receiving core just got scary, scary dread. See, I, I, I disagree, actually. I think it's the other way around, that the Edmonton Eskimos won this. I, I don't know if I'd say won this trade, but, like, Saskatchewan brings in Kenny Stafford, but they also have a lot of good options at wide receiver already in Saskatchewan, like Shaq Evans, Kyron Moore, Manny Arsenault. Nobody's even talking about Naaman Roosevelt anymore because he's the one getting covered to allow those other guys to get open. But like, Saskatchewan also has the benefit of returners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, sure, they they benefit another position they're already stacked by giving up from another position they're already stacked. I can't believe I'm saying the Riders are stacked at wide receiver after how bad their offense was last year. It has been a complete 180. But from Edmonton's standpoint, when is the last time Edmonton has had an explosive returner? It's been an issue with the team for the past several years. It's probably Kendall Lawrence is the last one I can think of with the Eskimos back in like 2015 yeah. or something like that. They brought in Martiz Jackson via a trade last year, but he's been having some issues producing, and it looks like he did get injured this week. I like the move to bring in Christian Jones. I don't know if it's going to help if you're not getting the blocking you need for him, which I think may be partially related to the struggles they've had, but I do like that upgrade for Edmonton. Cause well, here's the thing. Edmonton is seeing this as the year of the specialty. I mean, special teams just single-handedly won and bailed Ottawa out from the depths of a loss. Uh, saw what Terry Jones did. Uh, uh, Terry Williams. Terry Williams, sorry. Uh, did in Calgary. He single-handedly flipped the game, you know, to benefit the Stampeders. And, I mean, you look at that West Division. I mean, BC's got Ryan Lampert, Saskatchewan's got you know, Tyra Moore, Luchas Purifoy. Luchas Purifoy, among others. Calder's got uh, Cherry Williams. And Romar Morris. And Romar Morris. And Winnipeg's Winnipeg got... has Whitehead, Nelson, I know he's hurt right now, and Lo and uh, Walker. Brian Walker, and Lucky Whitehead, who we haven't even talked about. Not Brian Walker. Uh, no. Um, Kenny Walker? Kenny Walker. Yeah. Brian Walker plays for the Eskimos. Screwing up my names. But the fact of the matter is, Edmonton kind of saw that, you know, they're losing an arms race to watch a special teams. What's turned into a, you need to have a good returner to, you know, get your team a touchdown in a game, it seems. Well, and you talk about the West Division strength, that return game. Hamilton, Frankie Williams, Brandon Banks. Uh, Toronto, Chris Rainey had a big return this yep. week, another big game. Montreal cut Steph Logan, but brought in Shakir Ryan, who I remember when he was with the Ticats had a big return a couple of years ago. Like, he can be an explosive guy there, too. And this leads us into our next conversation topic here. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I've se seen a single guy single-handedly win him well i guess maybe i do remember and that would be lewis ward last season when he kicked seven field yeah, but goals. that's different that's that's a predominant kicker right 
Right. I mean, to see a punt return, I mean, let's not even talk about the kit return right now. Let's talk about a punt return. He's flailing everywhere. I'm serious. I get home from my holidays, and I I had heard about the play when I was on my way to holidays. I thought, oh, I'll watch it on the PBR when I get back. And I had heard A.J. Jotabit and Jeffrey recall the play on TSN 1200 while on my way to holidays. But listening to the radio feed does not do justice to what that play was. Devontae Deadman is an absolute beast of a kick returner. 376 yards, setting a franchise record for the Red Blacks, and I believe shortly behind a CFL record. I think it's second best uh, return yardage total in CFL history for, for a single game. Two touchdowns as well. Um it was 17-14 Montreal at halftime, and as you mentioned to me earlier today, Montreal had the ball basically the entire first quarter and most of the first half. Montreal was dominating two aspects of this game, and Devontae Dedman kept his team in this because it was 17-14 at halftime. 17 points for the Alouettes, 14 points for Devontae Dedman. I mean, the burst of speed from this guy... I loved the tweet that you put out this week, Mike, and I, I am wholeheartedly behind this. Give me Devontae Dedman, Brandon Banks, and Lucky Whitehead, 100-meter dash. Let's televise this. I want to see it because I have not seen speed from what I've seen from these guys in a long time. And to me, to me, I really believe that this is where the CFL excels over any other lead is that you know, those special teams can just flat out, flat out change a game. Oh, yeah. It is the year of the special teams, as they say. Like, Can we? Can like, we? It's ridiculous. I, I Can I also add one play to special teams that isn't adapted with special teams play, but with a real head-up play? And that was that play by Fajardo at the end of the first half to try to gain the single. <laughs> Only in the CFL, man. I mean, he runs up to the to the line of scrimmage, kicks the ball, and as a quarterback, let's be, let's be clear, quarterbacks you don't see as kickers, right? I mean, there's a few of them, right? A receiver comes to mind, Dave Stala, who used to play, you know, for Montreal, used to be the kicker. Ben Cahoon, he could, you know, kick a few field goals, extra points if needed. But just to see Tony Fajardo kick that football, and I know it was about 10, 15 yards short of where they wanted. You have to wonder how many teams in the back of their mind are going to be planning for that one. And I just love all of the quirks in the CFL game. Like, folks, like, like, start tuning in if you're not already. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not already watching the CFL, I would very much like to know how you got here to the point of listening to this podcast. CFL, if you've made it this far into the show and have not checked out a CFL game, thank you for listening, first of all, mm-hmm. and do yourself a favor and check some out this week. Because, I mean, there's no better chance if you're in the Winnipeg market. Go to co-op, get yourself that two vouchers for $60 or whatever it is. Save yourself 25% at the door. Go Park your rear end in a seat at a halftime concert on Thursday. This is the Thursday Night Concert Series. And go check out a Thursday Night Football game. Like, 
this week in the CFL, hands down the best week of the 2019 And I think it's only so going to get better because what's in three weeks' time? Labor Day. Labor Day, and then the real games start. Like, this week you had two games to, on a Thursday night doubleheader, which that's a rant for another day, but, you know, I... I, I don't see why you schedule two games of overlapping times on a Thursday night. Well, but I, anyways, I, I understand what they wanted to do, and I would get re- get out of the long weekend. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But anyways, two games Thursday night decided in the final thirty seconds. You had a Friday night football game that goes to overtime, and then after that, yet yeah, we still got the Battle of Alberta, which was a really close game. Ended up being six points. This was an all-around great weekend in the CFL. Some great finishes. Um, we'll talk about the Argos great finish here and what McLeod Bethel Thompson was able to do in just one moment, but I want to quickly talk Saskatchewan a little more. We talked about the trade with Kenny Stafford. How about the trade for Kalaros? They trade Zach Kalaros to the Toronto Argonauts this week. And to me, that shows one thing and one thing only. This is Cody Fajardo's team. And he took that news and he went out and led them on a last minute winning drive to pick up a big win over the 5-1 and one Hamilton Tiger Cats. Like, I know that Dane Evans is starting now, and he's a young quarterback, and I, I think he's he'll still figure things out as the season goes along. But that was a tough game, and the Riders were able to pull it out on top. So I'm starting to believe in the Cody Fajardo magic here in Saskatchewan. I The team clearly believes in him as their starting quarterback going forward, and I think they have full right to do so because – whether it's through the air, whether it's on the ground, this guy is getting it done and giving his team a chance to win games. And they're winning them. I hate to be the devil's advocate. Maybe I shouldn't even bring this up because it's moot point after what happened last week. But who have they beat in the last three weeks to win three in a row? BC and then Hamilton with the banged-up football team and a backup quarterback playing his first game of the season. Okay, so I will counter-argue that by saying they beat a team twice in a row, which is hard to do in the CFL, and they beat a team that, despite having that banged-up quarterback, still beat our hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers and hand them their first loss last week. So a team, as much as the quarterback is the most important position on the football field, it is not the only position on the football field. If you have a good enough team around you, you can get stuff done. Like the, the tie Cats. I still think are a good team and will likely compete to be the number one team in the East Division without Jeremiah Mazzoli. But I don't know. I give the Riders credit because this was a game that, you know, it came down to the wire. And that's, to me, the mark of a good quarterback, a guy that can get it done when he needs to. Yeah, and let's let's be interesting, too, is that you know, Saskatchewan defense is not getting those stooping scores, pitting scores. No, it's a balanced team now. It's a much more balanced team, and I wonder if that's a trade difference in effect and a, and a, a sort of taint in the armor of Chris Jones. I mean, you know, Chris Jones struck me as Mr. Serious, you know what I mean? But now it's all of a sudden... You know, Dive is well-respected. Trey Dittenton, he's been a special team. Dive's been a blue-collar worker. He's been, you know, in the CFL a lot longer than his brother has as far as coaching. And he finally gets his shot. And the question is well to be asked. I mean, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, if the Riders 
and I, and not to bait you up at this point. Have a great season and go to the great trap, either through the east or through the west. You know, who gets the benefit? Is it Chris Jones or, or as the general manager or or Jeremy Alday? And I would quickly counter that argument with Jeremy Alday's kind of, this is Chris Jones' handprint. But I think to me, Jer, uh, Jeremy Alday's put the finishing touches on, you know, being the mastermind to move Zach Kalaros and, you know, maybe set the stage for this other trade and bring in that, you know, that heftily priced wide receiver, but maybe it doesn't happen if he doesn't make, you know, the Kalaros trade. And, you know, in Saskatchewan's mind, you are racing a liability. No disrespect to, to uh, Zach Kalaros. He's a great quarterback. But I'll tell you what, every time you're on the field, you're hoping he's not going to get the one that injures Andrews and ends his career. Um, so so it's, a, it's a very interesting scenario uh, with that. And, you know, for Toronto, they're so desperate on getting starting quarterbacks. But, you know, if he is somewhat healthy, then maybe get the Ardos into the playoffs. I'll, I'll say this just to wrap up Saskatchewan, and we're going to get into the Argos now. Um, bold prediction number one of this podcast for me today. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders will host a home playoff game in 2019. I think there. I, I like the way this team is going right now. Do you tear the preference which one? I would, as of right now, have them finishing third in the West, but I could see them climbing as high as second. I don't know if they'll win the West Division. But I love They're the a game bat right now. But I love the way things are going in Saskatchewan right now. And now let's get to our guest interview for this episode of the podcast. He is the administrator of the Double Blue Order Argos support group. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Argos fan cast of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I am pleased to be joined this evening by Doug Ballinger. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, You know, you were kind enough to have me on your show last week to talk about the Bombers, so I figured it's only fair to return the favor this week and bring you on to talk the Argos, and, uh, well, you get the added benefit of getting to talk about an Argos win here. Yes, finally. We we kicked Owen out of the basement, finally. (laughs) Um, Take us through, uh, because I presume you were at the game, correct? Yes. Um... You know, Argo, the Argos always get a lot of flack. Argos fans get a lot of flack for how empty the stadium is, and I could go on a whole other rant about why we're belittling teams based on their attendance when we shouldn't be, but I won't get into that quite yet. But uh, from what I've been able to see on TV over the years, you know, yes, the Argos might not necessarily fill the stadium to capacity, but it can get loud in there. Take us through, what was the atmosphere like in the closing minutes as McLeod Bethel-Thompson led the team on that comeback winning drive? It was absolutely amazing. It was one of, one of the best one of the best atmospheres that we've, that I have experienced at BMO Field. And, there, and unfortunately, there hasn't been all that many. And go figure, it was a year to the day that we had another, well, almost a year to the day anyway, that we had another come-from-behind win by one point with McLeod Bethel-Thompson under center. And that was against Ottawa, and that was the 42-41 thriller, right? So right, this was, yeah. So, so this was another kind of thrilling game a lot of us like a lot of us at the end of it we still couldn't believe we couldn't believe our eyes that we that we actually won <laughs> yeah. but but i mean 
as the score in the second as the second half grew longer, and the Argos were starting to make make good make a good drive after good drive after good drive, the the atmosphere just started ramping up until it finally and there was that little lull when Winnipeg came back, but then once they once once the final touchdown came, it just exploded. Yeah, I, and to full credit, why not, right? I mean, that is a, a great comeback. They got, they're got they down 20 nothing. They come back, win 28-27. Um, it's been a rough start to the season for the Argos, to say the least, coming into this week. Their first win of the season, as you did mention. Uh, what did they do differently this week that helped them come out on top versus the previous weeks? Oh, um, well, I think that McLeod Bethel-Thompson has to be given a lot of credit here. Um, he was able to cl- he was able to clean up his game massively. I mean, st- still there was I mean, no interceptions at all from him compared to the previous weeks. There was putting up at least two, maybe three a night. So that so you have to really credit him. I credit the receivers as well for getting open. I credit the O line for giving him the time to work. It just seemed it just seemed like right when they were hit twenty nothing, it just. They, something got lit under them. They finally realized, "Hey, we're, hey, we're down twenty nothing here. We're playing a football game. We gotta, we gotta pull it together, and we, we got, we gotta pull it together." And they, and they ultimately, well, they ultimately got a win out of it. And like I said, McLeod Bethel Thompson played great. the The running game was still a little lackluster, in my opinion. But I mean, they, they, they did their job. The O line did their. Everyone. It seemed like the offense finally got it because the defense has been getting it for the last couple of weeks, and they, and unfortunately, they haven't been uh, supported enough by the offense. Yeah, and it's interesting talking about McLeod Bethel Thompson because, like I said on our show a couple of weeks ago, I go back and forth all the time on whether I think he is a quality starting quarterback because he does have games like this one where he can play lights out, but then he also does have the ones. Uh, like we've seen, you know, in recent weeks where he threw a lot of turnovers, as you mentioned. Uh, would you agree he has the tools there, just if he can develop the consistency to do so on a regular basis? 100%. 100%. I mean, I take a look at the off the offseason signings that we had, like when we picked up when we picked up Darrell Walker, everybody thought that James, like, everybody thought that Jim Pop was loading the team up to make James Franklin better. Then we go into training camp. Little did we know that McLeod Bethel Thompson actually also got better because you gave both quarterbacks the weapons to succeed. Right. So the way I look at it, like I think I think he's he's better than what he's than what he's let than what he's been letting on, and I think I think it I think it leads to the like someone someone finally talking in his ear and calming him down and getting getting him into a proper state of mind because I think that's what it was I think it was all in the head now now it's interesting because when, when kind of planning this out originally I was uh looking forward to talking about the Zach Caleros trade here today which we will talk about the Argos did bring in Zach Caleros and you know at the time the trade happened I presumed you know, just looking at his recovery schedule, looking at the Argos schedule, they are on a bye week this week. You know, it's not inconceivable to think that he would start coming out of the bye week next week. But then McLeod Bethel Thompson goes and has this great game and leads the Argos to the first win of the season. 
is it safe to say he managed to keep his starting job uh, for at least another week? I would think so. I would think so because they, when you have it, you don't really want to rush someone who's had a concussion. You don't want to rush them back to the field too quick. Right. So because McLeod Bethel-Thompson was able to finally get get all his get all his ducks in a row and pull out a great and pull out a good performance, I think he's bought himself at least another week. But I think but I think that leash might be might be a little shorter than people think. What do you make of the Caleros trade overall taking this week's win out of it? You know, they don't really give up much. It was a fourth round pick, correct? Um, Correct. That the Argos do give up to Saskatchewan. They bring Zach Kolaros back to where he started his career here in Toronto. Um, Do you like the move? Do you not see the need of it given his injury history? Uh, Where do you stand on the Kolaros trade? I I really like the trade. I mean, we didn't give up much to get him. We gave up a fourth rounder to to get him. Um, He's an he's an experienced quarterback. When healthy, he's really he's really really good and at when at the time when you made the trade they were 0 and 6 what have you got to lose at this point other right. than more games right yeah and, and i equated almost to what the when the bombers brought in matt nichols two three years ago where they were starting the season i think 0 and 4 1 and 5 with drew willie at the helm and you bring matt nichols in who's been a career backup you don't expect necessarily you know, to what's transpired with him, granted the last couple of weeks have been a little dicey and he still has his haters out there. But, you know, it's a low-risk trade that can turn into something great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, like like I said, it, you didn't give up much to get him, he, and he's quality. We trained the guy, practically. <laughs> I mean, he's had, so he's had success in Toronto before, so, I mean, if the O-line continues to play continues to play well and protects protects Zach to give him give to basically give him the time to do what he needs to do. I I can see him I can see him really succeeding here in Toronto once again. Now, the interesting thing with this game going into the bye week is uh I believe as I uh, had seen or heard that uh, Jim Pop was roaming around the sidelines this game which to many may think, you know, for an 0 and 6 football team that may mean some jobs are on the line coming into the bye week. Um, do you think the with the win we're going to see any changement changes from the Argos over the bye week, or are they going to stick status quo and uh, hope this leads to greater things? That's a good question. I don't. I don't. I'm okay. I think it might lead to one or two changes, but it's not going to. You won't see many wholesale changes, right? You're not going to see like a complete conversion of the team now. Now all of a sudden six weeks like I said, all of a sudden six weeks in, now they've now they've got it all now they've got it right. It only took essentially the first eight weeks of first eight weeks of the season have been well, you got the two weeks of preseason plus six more regular season games that you could essentially act as preseason. Right. So so I don't I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna make any th- any real like mega wholesale changes. There might be one or two tweaks here or there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you, especially coming off of a win. I mean, who who fires somebody after a win? Only the Montreal Alouettes, right? So, <laughs> like they did with GM Cavus Reed, but that's a whole other situation in itself. Uh, you know, you do have the Argos now at 1-6 and six going into the bye week here, but uh, they really have actually, if I'm correct, only played one divisional matchup in that Week 2 game against the Ticats. Um 
What is your outlook for the team going forward? Do you think they will rally from this big win over the Bombers? And uh, with a bunch of key divisional matchups, do you think they can climb their way back into this? I, I'm hoping that they're going to do it. <laughs> I'm very, I'm kind of, I'm got a little bit of confidence now with, with the big win, thinking that they're going to actually that they could that they could get themselves back into the playoff hunt. It's going to take a lot of hard work because their next couple of opponents, especially like next couple of opponents, aren't. It's not going to be easy. It won't be easy because you got the next three opponents. You got Edmonton at home, the touchdown Atlantic game against Montreal, and then Labor Day, as always, against the hated rivals down the road. Right. So I cannot. I can. I think they they could I mean, they could potentially do it. I think they could. Turn, I think they could turn this season around within the next within the next month to six four to six weeks. I think. Yeah, it's been done before. Everybody talks about that BC Lions team in 2011 that turned it around. Uh, you look at the Hamilton Ticats uh, two years ago. I think it was started the season 0 and 8, but played some decent football down the stretch there. So you, you never know; it could happen, and uh, perhaps this is a bit of a tee up for a bit after this in our podcast here but i'm sure mike and i will get into a debate over this as i put it out on twitter this week i do think the toronto argonauts may make the playoffs in 2019 well hang on that's me knocking on wood <laughs> <laughs> i hope i hope they came through <laughs> <laughs> no it came through uh just great um Look at the looking at the rest of their division because they are going to have a lot of divisional matchups. Uh, you do have, you know, the Red Blacks have been struggling. Granted, they pulled out a miraculous win over Montreal this week. Tie Cats are now without Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, the Alouettes have been better this year than previous years, but who knows how long Vernon Adams will be out now? Uh, what do you make of the other three teams that they're going to be going up against in the East Division? I I said it before on the Argos fancast that the East Division was going to be an absolute dogfight to for to find out the positioning of everyone with regards to playoffs and I still believe that especially now with Jeremiah Mazzoli out Ottawa having their issues at quarterback as well and then Montreal having well being Montreal so <laughs> I hate to say it but um I still I this is gonna like I said it's gonna come like Despite what the records say now, I'm thinking once we pass the once we pass the second third of the season and head into that final six week stretch, it's gonna like you're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be very entertaining to see how the East shapes up. And yeah, I hope to see an entertaining race down the stretch. And hey, like I said on the fan cast when you guys had me on last week, uh, you know after this week the Bombers don't have to play them anymore. I'm rooting for the Argos to turn this around. Uh, just to wrap things up here, uh, tell people where they can find you, your podcast, and everything else you have going on on social media and all the podcast platforms. Oh boy! Okay, so I well I'm with the Argos Fancast. They have the uh, their their Twitter is at Argos Fancast. You can find us on pretty much just about anywhere you get your podcasts. Sound on? Uh, no, I know personally I use SoundCloud if I wanted to listen to it. Uh, myself personally, you can find myself at on Twitter at DougB519. You can find my group, which is the Double Blue Order. You can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Double Blue Order, on Twitter at Double Blue Order, and on Instagram at The Double Blue Order. 
Wonderful. Well, Doug, uh, enjoy the win streak for as long as it lasts. We'll see if they can make it two straight games uh, next week. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the bye week. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us. No problem. Anytime, brother. And thank you to Doug from the Argos FanCast and Double Blue Order for joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown. And, of course, thank you to the guys from the FanCast for having me on their show last week to talk a little bit about the Bombers. So make sure you go check out their podcast on all the podcast platforms and on Twitter as well. Well, I teed it up during that interview, and we got a couple minutes here, so let's get into this. I, I told you before, my first bold prediction of the podcast today would be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting a home playoff game. And my second one, which may be a little more controversial given this team has only won one game this season... Don't go there. I'm telling you folks now, I'm planting the seed. I know this is going to come back to bite me in the butt. Don't go there. Literally every time I say something positive about the Argos, it goes down the wrong... Things go wrong. But I will put it out there right now. The Toronto Argonauts will make the playoffs in 2019. And here's why. I'll uh, I'll give you my argument. Mike, I'll give you a chance to give a rebuttal here. And then we'll get into Pick'em and Fantasy Talk. Why do I think the Argos are going to make the playoffs in 2019? Argument number one, a game like this is the perfect game to rally around. You go against a team that is tied for first place in the CFL. They've got you down 20 to nothing early in this game. Like, for all intents and purposes, you could have just laid down and died. This team, after the shutout loss to the Eskimos the week before, came back out. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, as Doug said, did not throw a single interception this week. He looked great out there. He was fighting for his job. You have a lot of guys on this team right now that are fighting for their jobs here. And that and that's something that can rally a team. Uh, perhaps a bit unfortunate that they did have the bye week this week. Uh, that they couldn't carry that momentum straight into another game. But they get a chance to get healthy here. Could see James Wilder back in the lineup after the bye week. And the biggest thing for me really is that they have not played divisional matchups yet besides that one game against the Ticats. I could see this going any which way. You're going to have these divisional games. Uh, you've played, you've lost one to the Ticats, but you haven't played the Red Blacks yet. You haven't played the Alouettes quite yet. You win those season series with them, you're right back in this. Um, even the crossover spot, a lot of people giving the Western crossover as a given at this point. You know, a lot of Western teams have played Eastern teams so far, and the Lions have played everybody out West, but a lot of teams haven't played each other quite yet. You're going to have some of these Western teams playing one another. You could have some teams running away with it. You could have some teams starting to fall off here as the season goes along. I'm not going to go out there and guarantee that the Argos are about to go make the playoffs, you know, win 10 straight games here or something like that, and go and host a home playoff game necessarily. But I do think the window is open for them to turn things around. I do like how McLeod Bethel Thompson played this week, and I think this team could rally from there a little bit. So, Mike, planting the seed, Toronto Argonauts from an 0-6 start, a la BC Lions in 2011, in the playoffs in 2019. On a scale of 1 to 39, how crazy is that? 1 being what and 39 being what? Use your own judgment. Um, 
I like your optimism, but I don't think it happens. I think they come close, but I think... Same with BC. A lot has to go right for that to happen. And then in the back of my mind, I'm going, we don't know what Dane Evans is going to do. We don't know what the quarterback situation in Montreal is going to be going forward. Heck, we don't even know what the quarterback situation is in Toronto going forward. Although I agree with our guest, I, I do believe that, you know, you did McLeod Bethel top to the Walmart team, but the leash becomes shorter. I just have to wonder what happens, and, you know, I'm not disputing your claim by any means, but I remember a game last year where McLeod Bethel Thompson rallied the Toronto Argonauts in that one game. As Doug pointed out, about a year ago today. So, again, it's, we need to see more than just one game, in my mind. And I won't be surprised if I come back in a week or two with egg on my face for, you know, this. If they lose, then that's two games are done. Probably. Well, the, the only team in my mind that's done right now is the BC Lions. There's such a point that I'm climbing out of the basement. What's the fun of talking the CFL if you don't make a bold prediction here or there? Most of them are going to end out wrong. But if the Argos make the playoffs in 2019, folks, you heard it here first. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious what Toronto people would say to that. Because to me, I didn't sense a lot of optimism in it from our desk, but that was going to happen. It, it, it's an interesting scenario for sure. Well, let's get into CFL Fantasy, CFL Pick'em, uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge. Uh, this week, put up over 100 points. Thank you, Andrew Harris. Um, that w- that was all Andrew Harris. I did beat Brazilian Ty this week to improve to five and three on the season, up to second place, tied there with the BC with Brian from the BC Lions Den, who took down the king of CFPN fantasy, Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast, with his first loss this week, as him at seven and one, only two games back of first place. As I tried again this week to pick up another win against Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, who. Oh boy, last week was the top performer out of all of us, um, due in part to him picking Devontae Deadman, which credit to him on that pick. Uh, should be a tough matchup, but I'm looking forward to it. So bring it on this week, Rod, uh, in our fantasy uh, game here. Uh, well, flashback a couple weeks ago, I was things were rolling along. I had the big lead. I was up by about 180 points, and... Now, Mike, you are very much back in it this week. Uh, myself, not a great week this week. I, I I did have Mike Riley on a bye. Brandon Banks not playing. Uh, Matt Nichols didn't play particularly well. Uh, Vernon Adams got injured. Uh, not not great luck for me this week. I put up 137.86. I'll take that. But you, to your credit, sir, put up the... Best week out of any of us so far this season, 211.84 points. Who led the way for you in this one? Um, who? I, I think the better question would be who didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I had double-digit performances from basically everybody. Andrew Harris. Uh, Trevor Harris. Ricky Collins. Taylor Loeffler. Cody Pajardo. It's... It's kind of one of those weeks where all the bullets are flying and they're working. Well, this was that week where everything that could go right did go right after a couple weeks of 
sputtering on air. And here I'm grasping at straws, trying to get back in it. Looking at just at my three quarterback situation, I pick Mike Riley and Jeremiah Mazzoli, my first two picks. Mike Riley's been a bust. Jeremiah Mazzoli goes down for the season. Um, I got Matt Nichols, who's now struggled in two straight weeks. Vernon Adams looks like he's playing well. Then he goes down to entry. I'm scrambling here to try to pick up the points, but I'm still in the lead. 11.51.82 on the season. You're at 11.13.06, so close the gap quite a bit. But since you are still trailing, the floor is yours for the first trades of the week, if you so choose to make them. Ryan, for the first time this season, team might well, stay together. Since week three. You did not make a trade in well, week three. Well, since week three, so very rarely... My team is staying put. Fair enough. And when things are going as well as they have, I wouldn't uh, expect it any differently. I will make one trade due to injury on my team, and that will be to drop Darvin Adams, who is placed on the six-game injured list. And I will be picking up from the Calgary Stampeders, Reggie Bagleton. Uh, most of the top receivers out there are off the board. Uh, you've picked a couple of them up in recent weeks. So have I. Um I like Reggie Bagleton. He's been a consistent producer week in and week out. And You just hope he doesn't produce for you this week to then the bombers are done. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, CFL pick em. Not a great week for either of us. Then again, it's hard to be good in a week when the uh, team that was only picked by 3% of people in CFL pick em in the Toronto Argonauts went to beat the Bombers. And then you had Ottawa beating Montreal yet in that too. Uh, and now today's we flipped. We both picked Edmonton to beat Calgary, but Calgary won that one. So a one in three week for both of us uh, on the season. And we were kind of dumb. Well, not dumb, but we both won against Calgary at home. Yeah, not to mention Trevor Harris has never won a game against Calgary Stampeders. Fun fact. That's to be trouble, but the bat-to-bat the bat coming up. Uh, one in three weeks uh, puts you at 18 and 13. I'm at 20 and 11. Uh, let's quickly get through our week nine picks. One game on Thursday night. It's the battle for first place in the West Division. And it's between the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the visiting Calgary Stampeders. You can go first on this one. When a parody tips the field goal, time expires, Calgary wins. <sighs> We're back to the point again where I'm picking Calgary. Uh, I, I've picked against Calgary so many times this year and it's bitten me in the butt. Uh, I, I, besides that first game of the year when I picked Ottawa to beat Calgary, I don't know if I've gotten a Stampeders game right. Except maybe when they beat the Argos. But maybe first time this year I'm picking against Bombers. I'm taking Calgary. I like everything going for them right now. Bombers, Matt Nichols is off his game right now. Um, Calgary's just, their defense is really good, and I think it's going to cause some problems for the Bombers' offense. Close game, like you said. But I will agree that Calgary is going to win this one. My head says Calgary. My heart says hopefully the our, our, our Bombers can pull this out this week. But Fingers crossed. We will see. And we'll both be in the stadium for that one, correct? Uh, planning to be, yes. Wonderful. So perhaps I will see you at the game then, Mike. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, cheer loud. And proud. Yes. Uh, Montreal hosting Saskatchewan. Vernon Adams Jr. will not play this week. Uh, William Standback, it remains to be seen. Uh, new addition, Kenny Stafford, will, probably won't play this week for Saskatchewan. Well, unless Shot Evans doesn't play, because he tweeted the night or yesterday in practice. 
Um, Montreal is the home team here. I'm taking Saskatchewan, though. Uh, if Vernon Adams plays, if William Stanbacks plays, I'm probably taking Montreal here. Um, I, I just, to me, Vernon Adams is a much better quarterback than Antonio Pipkin is. Uh, Pipkin did not look good in relief last game. I like everything going right now for the Riders. I'll take Saskatchewan to beat Montreal on the road. Yeah, I agree with you, but uh, other than one interesting little comment, and that was that uh, you put an asterisk beside those two players if they play. To me, I think Saskatchewan wins regardless because of one individual, and that's a Tasmanian Devil and Charlton Hughes, and I don't think much we're all seeing a defender like him. Ten sacks on the season already. Next highest uh, player on the list has six. Uh, second game on Friday night, Edmonton hosting Ottawa, Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, and the crew, uh, first game against the Red Blacks. Um, let's be real. Ottawa won last week because of Devontae Dedman and their defense. Offensively, things aren't going well still in Ottawa. Devontae Dedman cannot possibly repeat that same game twice in a row. I'll take the Eskimos at home. I'm going to go real off the board here. I'm going to take the tie. Oh, man. I was thinking about taking a tie this week. You beat me to it. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, Last game of the week, because we are out of time here, uh, Hamilton hosting BC. Uh, Until BC gets things going, I'm taking the tie, Cats. BC. You're just just going way off the board this week, aren't you? Yep. All right. Jumping off the deep end. Uh, Dane Evans did not have to do a little more than he did in the last game, and I just can't see my drivers try to wheat after wheat. It ends this sweet. Fair enough. That does it for this episode of the podcast. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening here to the Canadian Football Countdown. Check out us at CFC on Mike FM uh, and the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Doug from the FanCast for joining us, and have a great day, everybody. Bye. <laughs>